Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Well, as we mentioned earlier, this is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate what happened in Acts chapter 2 when God poured out his Holy Spirit on a group of 120 and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And that was the beginning of the outpouring of his Holy Spirit because he said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And Peter said, this promise is unto you and your children and your children's children, even as many as are afar off. So God is continuing to pour out his Holy Spirit today in the same manner. And so we have seen God doing that over the past several weeks as we have been emphasizing the work of the Holy Spirit in our series, The Promise. And we've seen every week people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. We've had some young people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Last week we had about four people baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And we're believing God that he's gonna continue working in such manner in our midst. So we're continuing our series today, The Promise. And our message is titled, Be Filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. When the renowned preacher G. Campbell Morgan was a young man, he visited two elderly ladies every week to read the scriptures to them. And one day he was reading Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And when he had read that verse, he said to the two ladies, isn't that a wonderful promise? And one of the ladies quickly responded, young man, that is not a promise. It is a fact. Hallelujah. It is a fact. Amen. And I want you to know all of God's promises are facts. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Amen. One writer said God's promises are facts. They are actual facts or potential facts. They are potential facts because God said it. They become actual facts in our lives by trusting them. He will do what he has promised. Do you believe it? It is true whether or not you believe it, he said, but you will only get the benefit of it by believing it. I don't know about you, but I want the benefit of all that God has promised, amen? And I'm believing and standing upon his word. And this is certainly true of what is called the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it is God's desire to fill every believer with his spirit. Read with me, if you will, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and flames like fire sat upon each of their head, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That is the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it continues today. Now, if you read through the book of Acts, you will find that phrase filled with the Holy Spirit used repeatedly. In Acts 4, 8, for instance, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, You rulers and elders of the people, And he began to talk to them again about how they crucified Jesus and how hard-hearted they were and what have you. In Acts 6, when the church had grown and they were in need of more workers, the instruction from God was to seek out seven men full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 6, 5, Stephen is described as a man full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 9, 17, Ananias laid hands on Saul, later called Paul, in order that he might be filled with the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit was expected as the norm for every believer in the early church. It was not the exception. It was not rare. It was the common experience that was expected for every believer to have. In Acts 2-4, on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 that were praying in the upper room. And it wasn't a handful of them or a few of them that got filled and spoke in tongues, but it was all of them. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the verb tense that is used in every instance where it talks about people being filled or full of the Spirit is present continual tense. It's not a past event. It's not a past event. It's a current event. It's an up-to-the-moment event. You know, sometimes people talk about, well, bless God, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. 
And never since then have they had an encounter with the Spirit. Never since then have they spoken in tongues because they're not cultivating that uh, relationship with God. But that's not what the New Testament describes as the Spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled life in the New Testament was something that was ongoing. It was continuous. It was up to the moment. It was a present reality. In fact, in Acts 2, the 120 were all filled with the Holy Spirit, but after a wave of persecution, they gathered again in Acts chapter 4 for a prayer meeting, and the Bible says that the place was shaken where they were praying, and that they were all filled with the Spirit. So this was a refilling of the Holy Spirit because how many of you know the world takes it out of you, right? The world just will drain you uh, of that spiritual life, that spiritual power that is operating in you, but God wants us to be continually refilled. In fact, in Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul commanded believers with the phrase, be filled with the Spirit. But, But the interesting thing is, that the verb be filled in that verse is a continuous progressive action. So it would more literally read, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So he is describing a continuous experience of the Holy Spirit. So praise God, we can live a spirit-filled life on a daily basis. It's not limited to what happens for a few minutes here at the altar. God wants us walking in the power and the anointing and the presence of his Holy Spirit, amen, on a daily basis. That's God's will, that's God's desire, and it is the command of Scripture, be being filled with the Spirit. But unfortunately, many Christians are not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. And because of that, they lack the power to live the way God is calling us to live and to do what God is calling us to do, which is to continue the ministry of Christ with power in the world today. Jesus deemed the greatest need of his followers after salvation was to be filled with the Spirit. That's why after his resurrection, he appeared to his followers for 40 days, and the chief focus of everything he spoke to them about during those 40 days was about being filled with the Spirit. He told them to go and wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Being filled with the Spirit changed the disciples from weak and fearful followers to bold and courageous witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it resulted in a miraculous spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth in just one generation. More than anything else, church, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, continually filled with the Spirit. But what exactly does that mean? And that's what we want to consider today. The first thing I want us to understand is that being filled with the Spirit is a definite experience. It's a definite experience. Being filled with the Spirit is a separate experience from salvation. When a person places their faith in Jesus and receives salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us at that very moment. This, this is often referred to as the indwelling of the Spirit. That means that the Spirit is dwelling or living inside of us the moment that we get saved. Because as Jesus said, that we must be born again of the Spirit. So we are made spiritually alive by the Spirit. In Romans 8, 9, Paul says that if the Spirit lives inside of us, it means that we belong to Christ. It means that we are saved. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That happens automatically the moment you repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ. That's how we're born again. So we are born again by the Spirit. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and he gives us new life. He makes us spiritually alive and he begins to make our life new, changing us into the image of Christ. And once we get saved, then we are eligible to receive other experiences that the Spirit brings, the greatest of which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower us. It is to equip us. It is to 
uh, enable us supernaturally to continue the ministry of Christ in the world, healing the sick, setting free those that are captive, and preaching the good news with power and with authority so that lives will be changed. That is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to understand when I'm using the phrase baptism with the Holy Spirit, you can use it interchangeably with being filled with the Spirit because the New Testament uses both terms to refer to the same experience. So the, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural power, supernatural gifts to make us effective in ministry. And you can read about those supernatural gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about prophecy and healing and miracles and, and uh, words of wisdom and words of knowledge and tongues and interpretation. These are gifts he gives us to bless the body of Christ and build up believers. These supernatural gifts also equip us to be his witnesses in the world, to effectively share the gospel and to minister healing and deliverance to confirm his words with signs and wonders as he promises in Mark 16. Now being filled with the Spirit is a definite experience after salvation but it's also a no-so experience. What do I mean by that? I mean if you were asked are you filled with the Spirit how would you answer? Would you say I guess so, I think so, I hope so, maybe so or would you say yes I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I would say yes I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Being filled with the Spirit in Scripture was a definite experience that you could know whether or not you had experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in, in, in fact, you don't have to guess if you've been filled with the Spirit. You can know that you've been filled with the Spirit because it comes with an immediate outward physical sign. Acts 2.4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, there was a sign. They had been praying for 10 days. Jesus told them, go and wait in Jerusalem until, until you receive power from on high. How would they know when until came? So they were there for 10 days praying until. But when until came, God made it evident that they had received the power of the Holy Spirit. There was no guessing. Were you, were you not filled with the Spirit? They knew that something powerfully supernatural had happened to them. They knew it so definitively that Peter stood up in front of a crowd that was mainly hostile, many of which had been responsible for killing Jesus day, days before. And Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Peter was saying, we have a no-so experience. God is doing exactly what he promised to do, and we have experienced it and are here to testify of it. Amen. Later on in Acts chapter 8, when Philip led the people of a city of Samaria to Christ and uh, almost all of them got saved and water baptized, the Bible says, as of yet, the Holy Spirit had come upon none of them. So they were saved, they were water baptized, but as of yet, they had not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So what do they do? The church in Jerusalem hears about this large group of believers that have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They send down Peter and John, the big guns from Jerusalem to pray for them that they might receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the early church understood this as an absolute necessity. And the Bible says that when Peter and John prayed for them, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So how is it that you could one minute say none of them were filled, and then after their prayer for say they were all filled? They had to be something evident that, uh, that they were looking for to be able to make that determination. It was a definite experience. It was a no-so experience. Being filled with the Spirit is not a guess-so experience. Do you know that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, you can. Hallelujah. Being filled with the Spirit is to be under the control or influence of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul contrasts being under the influence of alcohol with being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He says, do not be drunk with alcohol, but rather be being filled with the Spirit. Now, when a person is filled with alcohol or when they are drunk, 
they are referred to being under the influence, right? Am I right? They're under the influence. So what happens? They begin to speak and act in ways that they don't usually when they are sober. They lose their inhibitions. They're not afraid. They get loud. Amen? Amen. They are bold to speak and do things that they would not otherwise do. So much so that unfortunately I know of a guy uh, that when he was younger he was drunk and he decided he was going to jump off of a balcony into a pool which because of his drunken state he did not realize the pool was not filled with water and he jumped from that second story balcony and tragically was paralyzed and is paralyzed now but he, uh, the, the alcohol was in control and, and he didn't even realize what he was doing. I guess he thought he could fly or something. I don't know. And tragically, he injured himself. See, being drunk with alcohol, that's destructive. Amen? But f- being filled with the Spirit brings life and joy and love and hope. Amen? It's positive. So in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Do not be drunk with wine. And it's not a time for a sermon on alcohol, but the Bible has many prohibitions that warn us against the use of alcohol. But he says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But just like a person can choose to fill themselves with alcohol, you can choose to be filled with the Spirit by seeking the Lord to fill you to overflowing. It's a matter of surrendering to the control of the Holy Spirit so that you will be under his influence or control. In fact, that's one of the reasons that tongues is the sign of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Bible tells us in James chapter 3 that the tongue is the unruliest member of the body. Who can tame it? Nobody can tame it, it says. You know, And and we can all attest to that because how many of you in the heat of the moment, you said something and it came out? And the moment it came out, you wished you could just reach back and take it and stuff it back in. That's how uncontrollable the tongue is, right? But when we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and being baptized in the Holy Ghost is all about surrendering to the control of the Holy Spirit, it is signified by speaking in other tongues. Why? Because it now means that the Holy Spirit has such control of us because we've surrendered to him that he is able to take this untamable tongue that gets us into so much trouble and he is able to use it supernaturally to speak through us the wonderful works of God and bring glory and honor to God. Amen? Amen. So it's a sign of the Holy Spirit's control over us. But unlike alcohol, which will ruin your life, causing you to make bad choices and and impairing your judgment so you're not reasoning well and doing things that can destroy your life, like getting behind a, a car where you're not in control of your mental faculties, having an accident, perhaps injuring yourself or others. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, in in contrast, produces positive things in and through your life. As we continue to seek more of God and surrender ourselves to the Spirit, we will be continually filled with the Spirit. It will be a daily occurrence. It will be a daily occurrence. It's not something you just experience one time at this altar, but as you continue to seek the Lord, His Spirit continues to flow through you. See, sometimes we think about being filled with the Spirit like a container. Uh, This container probably holds about 12 ounces. Once it gets to the top, it's got as much as it can get, right? We think of being filled with the Spirit like a container, but God describes being filled with the Spirit like a conduit, and a conduit is more like a hose, right? You turn the the faucet on, and that hose can continue to flow. The water just continues to flow and flow and flow. There really is no limit to how much water can pass through that hose, right? That's what it means to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. God is saying, I don't want you to be a container. I want you to be a conduit so the Holy Spirit can continue to flow through you and flow out from you to minister and touch the lives of others. It's supposed to be a continual flow. Jesus described it as rivers of living water. Not a pond. A pond is is just a a, a small area that contains just so much water and just kind of sits there, right? But Jesus said, rivers of living water. Rivers are continually flowing, amen? 
It's like that conduit, that ri the river is continually flowing, and, and that water is alive because it's aerated, amen? And it can bless many people because many people live on the banks of rivers, and they depend upon that water for life. When the river of the Holy Spirit is flowing through us, it, it can bless many people as God touches them through us. God wants us to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is one baptism with the Holy Spirit, but we should experience many fillings, many refillings. Amen? So we get baptized in the Holy Ghost one time. I was 11 years old. It was December of 1976, New Year's Eve, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, never having been in a Pentecostal church. This was in the home of a lady that used to teach us the Bible. And I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. My father didn't know what it was. I spoke in five different languages, he said, and it went on till about two o'clock in the morning. And then he told that lady, he said, bring her out of this. He thought it was hurting me or something like that. <laughs> he said, bring her out of this. And she was like, God's not gonna hurt her. God's not. And that was the night God called me to the ministry, amen. And, and so uh, God has continued to fill my life as I continue to seek him. And God wants to continue to fill our lives. One baptism. I was baptized in 1976, but continually being refilled with the Holy Spirit. God will fill you to overflowing with his spirit, with his power, with his love, with his joy, so that you will be a blessing to others, especially those that who do not yet know him. So I ask you today, are you full of the Holy Spirit right now? Not did you get filled 10 years ago or five years ago. Are you full of the Holy Spirit right now? Are you daily walking in the fullness of the Spirit? That's God's desire for each of us. And I had this conversation with someone this past week. One of the signs that you're daily walking in the fullness of the Spirit is that you are daily praying in the Spirit. You're daily praying in tongues. You're daily worshiping in tongues. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14? He said, every time I pray, I pray with the understanding and I pray in the spirit. Every time I worship, I worship with my understanding and I worship in the spirit, amen? Because what you're doing is that you're opening the faucet. When you pray in the spirit, you're opening that faucet and you're allowing it to just flow through your life, amen? And so one of the signs that you are walking in the fullness of the spirit is that you are daily praying in the spirit. He has so much more for you. Why not seek him for all that he desires to pour out in your life? You can be continued filled with the Spirit if you make a choice every day to walk in obedience and surrender to God. Because Acts 5.32 says that God freely gives the Holy Spirit to all who walk in obedience. Amen? To all who walk in obedience. Then daily spend time in His presence praying and asking God to fill you afresh with the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is often compared to water, and we need to drink eight eight-ounce glasses of water each day to be hydrated, to be physically healthy. Am I right? Yes. All right. Jesus tells us that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means that we need to daily come and drink. He says, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And it says this, he was speaking of the Spirit, and that as we drink of him, the Spirit would be like rivers of living water flowing out from us. So just like we need to drink water every day, you didn't drink water 20 years ago and said, bless God, I drank water 20 years ago. I don't need to drink any more water. No, you need to drink of the spirit every single day. Amen, amen. She is not under the influence of alcohol. <laughs> That's just Teresa's normal state. <laughs> Uh, Jesus tells us that we need to ask the Father to fill us with the Holy Spirit. So daily ask him to fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is a definite experience, a separate experience that follows after salvation. And being filled with the Spirit is a no-so experience. You can know that you are filled. And being filled with the Spirit is a continual experience in our lives. Now, a second principle I want us to see, being filled with the Spirit produces definitive 
evidence. It produces definitive evidence. When you are filled with the Spirit, and I mentioned this previously, but I want to explain it more fully, it will be evidenced in a supernatural language. That will be the first evidence, the first sign that you have experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You will speak in a language that you have never learned. Just as on the day of Pentecost, the 120 in the upper room, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is a pattern that is repeated throughout the book of Acts. In Acts 10, when a Roman, uh, Roman uh, uh, centurion named Cornelius and his entire household, all Gentiles, now remember, Peter couldn't, didn't believe. Peter was Jewish, and they didn't believe that Gentiles could be saved, right? right. So God has to give Peter this dream three times of, of a, a, a big tablecloth or big sheet let down with unclean animals because there were certain animals the Jews were not allowed to eat. And so he lets down this sheet with unclean animals and says to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. God gives him the same vision again. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. God does it again. And Peter says the same thing. I've never eaten anything unclean. And then God says, Peter, you don't seem to be getting it. So let me tell you plain. Some Gentiles, which the Jews considered them to be unclean, some Gentiles are going to knock at your door in a minute. I want you to go with them, and I want you to preach the gospel to them. So God made it plain. So Peter goes, somewhat under duress, because he still doesn't believe they can be saved. But God told him, so he's going to do it. So he goes, and he has six Jewish brethren with him. And he goes, and he begins to preach to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile household. And while he's still preaching, he hadn't even given the altar call yet. While he's still preaching, they all get baptized in the Holy Ghost and start speaking in tongues. So they, they were so open to God that they got saved and almost simultaneously baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and, and Peter and his six Jewish brethren that were with him, they're so astonished that they, they, they said later on, they said, we had to water baptize them. How could we deny them water baptism? If God filled them with the Holy Spirit the same way that he filled us at the beginning because we heard them speak in other tongues just like we did. So he said, obviously God saved them. That's what Peter's saying. Obviously God saved them because he gave them the Holy Spirit the same way he did us. So we couldn't say that they were, we couldn't deny them to be water baptized. So the proof, the evidence that, that convinced them was that they heard them speak in other tongues. And then in Acts 19, Paul comes to a group of believers in the city of Ephesus and he says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard whether there be any such thing as the Holy Spirit. So he began to preach to them and teach them about the Holy Spirit. And then it says he prayed for them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. So we have three instances where it directly says they spoke in tongues. Then we have the fourth instance, which I referred to earlier in Samaria where Philip ministered to the city of Samaria. Almost everybody gets saved and water baptized, but as of yet, none of them had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Peter and John come down and start praying for them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So obviously, there was some evidence they were looking for to be able to say one minute, none of them are filled, and then be able to say they were all filled. But even more specifically, there was a man in that town named Simon, and Simon was a sorcerer. And he used witchcraft to bewitch the people and to make money off of them. So he had these demonic miracles or signs that he used to, to deceive people. And the Bible says that when he saw that through the laying on of hands of Peter and John, people received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when he saw, so he saw something, he offered them money. And he said, here, I'm going to give you money so that you can give me the power that whoever I lay my hands on, they can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, here's a man who knew supernatural work through demonic miracles, right? He's not going to be paying good money for something that, did it happen, did it not? Who knows? No, he saw something, something powerful that he wanted to pay money for, all right? And then... Peter says this to him, your money perish with you. Because your heart is not right, you have no place in this matter or you cannot participate in this matter. 
And the word matter that is used in the King James, I'm not sure what it is in some of the other versions, but the word in the original Greek, in the original transcripts, is the word logion. We get the word logos from it. It's the same word that is used in, in John 1 when it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. So logos is translated as word, and logion is related to that, and it means a verbal expression, a verbal communication. So Peter says to Simon the sorcerer, your money perish with you. Your heart is not right with God, so you cannot participate in this verbal expression. What was that verbal expression? It was tongues. It was tongues. And then the fifth occasion, there's only five occasions that describe groups or individuals being baptized in the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, but the fifth occasion is when the apostle Paul at that time, his name was Saul. But it's when the Apostle Paul gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. You might remember the story. He was a Jew, a leader among the Jews. He was on his way to persecute Christians and, and throw them in prison and kill them. And um, on the way to do that, the risen Christ appears to him on the road to Damascus. And Paul sees this bright and shining light, and he's knocked to the ground by this powerful experience, and he's blinded. And Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he goes, what do you mean, Lord? And, and, and he explains to him about how he's persecuting the church and he's really persecuting, persecuting Christ. And so anyway, he tells him to go and wait in a nearby city for a man to come and pray for him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Spirit. So he gets saved on the road to Damascus. He goes and he waits. He's still blind. And then God tells a man named Ananias to go and pray for Saul. But everybody knew Saul was persecuting and killing Christians, so I can just see this conversation with Ananias. God says, Ananias, I want you to go and pray for Saul. And Ananias is like, who, me? God, do you know what he's doing to Christians? You know, you can just see this conversation taking place. But Ananias, God convinces Ananias, Ananias goes, and he prays for him right there in Acts 9. And the Bible says that Paul received his sight, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But there in Acts 9... It doesn't say that he spoke in tongues, but in 1 Corinthians 14, by Paul's own testimony, he says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So we see that in every instance where people were baptized in the Holy Ghost, it was associated with speaking in other tongues. So there's a biblical pattern here that whenever people get filled with the Spirit, the first or initial sign or evidence was that they spoke in other tongues. Now that's not a one-time experience, that's a prayer language that God gives us so that we can, it's like a hotline to heaven, folks, that we can continually communicate with him in this direct manner, amen? His spirit touching our spirit to speak through us according to the mind and heart of God. Now, now I, I wanna illustrate it this way. Have you ever heard of something called a sonic boom? Well, a sonic boom is a loud explosion that happens when a plane reaches 770 miles per hour. Now, it doesn't matter if you're flying over China or India or Africa or the United States, the same thing will happen. The loud boom is a universal sign that a plane has broken the sound barrier. Now, planes can go really fast without breaking the sound barrier, right? Private jets fly about 400 miles per hour. That's, that's pretty fast. Commercial jets fly between 550 to 575 miles per hour. That's really fast. But nothing ha there's no sonic boom when they're flying at that speed. They're having some really fast uh, 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 spe uh, speeds. They're reaching really fast speeds, but no sonic boom. It's not until you reach 770 miles per hour that you break the sound barrier, and then there is an audible evidence that this has occurred. And this will happen anywhere in the world. Amen? Now, that's like the Holy Spirit. You can have many experiences in the Holy Spirit, right? You can come to this altar. God can touch you. You can feel goosebumps. You can feel the love of God. Many experiences in the Holy Spirit. But it's not until that audible evidence, the sonic boom, it's not until that audible evidence of speaking in other tongues that you know that you know that you know that you have experienced the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you explain that when you're filled with the Spirit, you will speak in tongues. Some people get all serious and they ask, Pastor, do I have to speak in tongues? It's like telling a child, 
You got to eat your spinach. Like it's something terrible, you know? Tongues is not a punishment. And no, you don't have to speak in tongues. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues, but you don't have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. It's a marvelous blessing, and it's a wonderful privilege of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, when, 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 when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and you start speaking in tongues, the, the best way I can describe it is like the lid has been taken off of this, this powerful flow in your prayer life, in your worship life. Kind of like if you took the cap off of a, of a fire hydrant and the water just begins to gush out. Well, when, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, that's what happens to your prayer life. That's what happens to your worship life. It just takes it to a whole different level. It just starts to flow out of you is so very different and so much more wonderful than what you had before. God's spirit touches our spirit, freeing us to worship God as he deserves and freeing us to pray according to the mind and heart of God. It is a direct and intimate connection to God. It's like a hotline to heaven. Who wouldn't want to speak in tongues, amen? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it will also be evidenced by supernatural power. To speak in another tongue, a language you have never learned, is a miracle. It's a miracle. Now, I'll just tell you, I'm from Hispanic background. My mother was Cuban, but my father was Lebanese. So I always spoke English in the home. And so, you know, I picked up a little bit of Spanish. I picked up a little bit of Arabic as well. But um, in school, I took three years of Spanish in high school, and I took a couple of years of Spanish um, in, in college, and I got A's in my classes. But still yet today, <sighs> I speak a really bad Spanglish. I've tried. I've, I've worked at it. I, I practice with some of y'all, and y'all laugh at me because, you know, <laughs> I don't always say things the right way. I don't always get it in the right gender, the right tense, or whatever like that. But yo trato, I try <laughs> the best that I can, you know. But still yet, after all those studies, I don't speak another language fluently. But when I was 11 years old and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, suddenly I was speaking a language that I had never learned, I had never taken a class, and this language was just flowing through me. And in fact, like I shared earlier, my dad said that that night I spoke, he could hear five distinct languages uh, flowing through me. I've never learned those languages, but it just started to flow through me. How could that be? It's supernatural. It is miraculous. Amen? That's what makes it a God thing and not a human thing. God is releasing a supernatural flow through you when you begin to speak in other tongues. The miraculous is flowing through you. And it is a sign of God saying, I want to use you in the miraculous. Did you get that in your spirit? This is not just about speaking in tongues. That's wonderful. That's glorious. But it's for more than that. God is saying the supernatural is flowing through you and I want to use you in miracles and signs and wonders to confirm my word to the world. Hallelujah. Amen. God wants to use you. When you go to your work and somebody says, I'm sick, and you say, can I pray for you? And you pray for them right there and healing flows to them. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. I remember when I first started this church, I was in my 20s, and uh, just last week, hallelujah, um, one of the ladies in our church worked at an ICU in, uh, in what was, there used to be a hospital right at the Cloverleaf. I can't remember what the name of it now. It's, it's closed down. But anyway, um, she called me that there was a young man there, 19 years old, that was completely paralyzed from the neck down with Guerin-Barre's disease and it was progressively moving through his organs, and they believed he only had a very short time to live. And so she asked me if I could come and pray for him. And so, you know, I went there, and the first thing I did was I presented the gospel to him, and he, he could not speak. The only motion he had left in his body, and he'd been in the state for three months, the only mobility he had left in his body was his ability to blink his eyes, and that was straying. 
And so I, I presented the gospel to him. I asked him, do you want to accept Jesus as your savior? And I said, if you do, just blink twice. And he strained and he blinked twice. And I said, I know you can't pray out loud, but uh, pray this prayer with me. And I led him in the prayer to receive Christ as savior. And as I did, I could see tears just begin to trickle down the side of his eyes. His name was Dwayne. And I said to him, Dwayne, I said, God just saved you. God just gave you spiritual life. So no matter what happens now, you know you're right with God. You know you'll go to heaven. I said, but God wants to do something greater in your life. He doesn't just want to save you. He wants to heal you. Now, you know, great woman that I am, woman of faith that I am in my 20s, I'm saying, Lord, I know this is what your word says, but I see what's sitting in front of me. But God, you said in your word, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall be healed. So I laid hands on Dwayne. And about that time, the nurse from our church slipped in. Her name was Tony Horton. She slipped in and she came to agree together with us in prayer. And we began to pray healing over that young man's body. And tears by this time are just flowing down his cheeks. When I left that room, I didn't see any change in him. But somebody in the next room called me to pray for them, and somebody in the next room called me to pray for them, and I prayed for them. The next day, the same nurse, Tony, calls me, hysterical on the phone. I can hardly understand what she's saying, and I'm like, calm down, Tony. I don't know what she's saying. She's saying, you got to see it. You got to see it. We came in this morning, and the physical therapist went in to see, you know, because they checked him every day to see the progression of the paralysis. And she said, when she came in, she stuck the, 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 the sole of his foot. Uh, with, with whatever instrument they use. And for three months, he has had no response. She said, but when he stuck the, the sole of his foot, he winced and pulled his foot back. So th the woman was astonished. So she put her hand against his foot and she said, kick at my hand. And he kicked at her hand. And then he started doing like he was riding a bicycle. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. A few, week, a few weeks later, because I told him before I left the room, I told him, I said, Dwayne, when God raises you up from this bed, I want you to come to my church and I want you to testify. And I'm telling you something, a few weeks later, we were having a service, I was praying for people at the altar, and all of a sudden, I heard this nurse, Tony, scream. And I'm thinking, what? And she goes, it's him, it's Dwayne. And she pointed at the back door. In walked a young man that I would not have recognized from the same man that was in that hospital bed because he looked like a skeleton in the hospital bed. But in walked a young man that looked like a football player. And he just walked in, came right up to me, gave me a hug. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he gave his testimony. And he had a praying mama. He got away from the Lord when he was a teenager. But his mama was praying, God, do whatever you need to do to bring him back to you. And he testified that morning, God brought me back to him. And I will never stop serving him because of what he has done for me. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. What am I saying? I'm saying I was a kid in my 20s, wet behind the ears, saying, God... I see what's in front of my eyes. I see a young man that medically they can't do anything from him and he is paralyzed. But your word says that miracle signs and wonders would flow. And in the name of Jesus, do what only you can do, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, that's what God wants to do through you. That's what God wants to do through you. That's what God wants to do through you. I feel like Oprah Winfrey when she had those giveaways. And she said, and you get a car, and you get a car. And you, you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit. And God wants to work through you in miracle working power. Hallelujah. When we are walking in the fullness of the Spirit, there is supernatural power flowing through us to work miracles, signs, and wonders at work in the grocery store, hallelujah, in the doctor's office, wherever you go. We just need to step out in faith. Will we at times quiver inside because of what we see in front of our eyes? Yes, but God, but God, hallelujah. His word is fact. It is potential fact until we believe it and then it becomes actual fact. 
And we need to actualize the word in our life by stepping out in faith. And when we are filled with the spirit, God will flow through us in a bold witness confirmed by supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. So church, start stepping out in faith. Start laying hands on the sick. Start breaking the chains of darkness that are holding people in, in, in uh, control, in bondage. Amen? And believe the Lord to flow through you. A pastor told a story of how driving to church one Sunday, he saw a man pushing his vehicle. So the pastor pulled up and asked, are you having trouble? The man said, nah, and he continued pushing his car. The pastor drove alongside and said, well, can I give you a hand at least pushing your car somewhere safe? The pastor offered this reluctantly because he knew he had a bad back, but you know, he felt he should help. The exhausted man, almost out of breath said, that's very kind of you, but I'm fine. I'm quite used to pushing it on my own. Do it every day. And he continued pushing. The pastor was kind of bewildered and he said, have you run out of gas? Do you have not, don't have any money for gas? The man looked at him and said, gas? What's gas? The pastor said, you fill your tank with gas, you turn the ignition on, and then you can drive wherever you want. The man looked at the pastor and said, I've been pushing this car everywhere since I bought it. It's my first car. No one ever told me about gas. He said, I wondered why everyone else seemed to be going along so easily. And when I sat in the driver's seat, nothing happened. So the pastor helped him push the car to the gas station, bought him some gas. The man turned the key and off he went like a rocket. Minutes later, he made a U-turn and came back and found the pastor and said, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me about gas. It makes such a difference, doesn't it? It's life changing. Now, obviously this story is not true. Had you, didn't I? You were like, oh. <laughs> But the reality is that a lot of Christians are pushing their way through life in their own strength and power. They're pushing their way through life. They're pushing their way through ministry. They're struggling. They're out of breath. They're almost exhausted. And they're like, oh, this Christian thing is so hard. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And God is saying, have you heard about something called the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. That is supernatural gas that empowers you to do what you cannot otherwise do. Amen. But the promise of the Holy Spirit is only available to those who have first placed their faith in Christ and repented of their sins. We have all sinned and sin has cut us off from God. That's the reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life and he offered his life as the payment or the penalty for our sins. So that when we repent, and the word repent simply means to turn away from, we turn away from our sin and say, God, I don't wanna live that way anymore. I ask you to forgive me, and I turn to you in faith, and I ask you to come live inside of me and help me to live for you. The moment we do that, the Bible says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive, and we are brought into right relationship with God, and that is the beginning of a lifelong journey of learning to love and serve the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads right now. If you're here today and you have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ, but you want to this morning. Or maybe you did this several years ago and you've drifted away, you didn't follow through on your commitment to Christ, went back into the world, but you can feel the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart and saying it's time to come back. If you are in either of those categories and you would say, pray for me today, pastor, I want to come to Jesus, repent of my sins, and I want to be saved. I want to be a child of God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and just say, pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Is there anyone this morning? Just slip your hand right up. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Hallelujah. Thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you for another hand. Thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? 
praise the Lord. I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand and everyone else to encourage them to pray this simple prayer with me. It's not my words. My words are not special, but it's your heart sincerely asking the Lord to do this for you. Would you pray this prayer for me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me. Help me from this day forward to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. And I welcome you to the family of God. I want to ask you to do one more thing. If you would, take your phone out and just text I prayed to the number on the screen because we want to send you free of charge a little booklet to help you understand uh, the commitment that you just made and how to continue to walk in faith to grow in your relationship with God. We want to send that to you free of charge. So if you would, just uh, text I prayed to the number on the screen and we will send you a response message a little bit later today. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. And now you are eligible to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to speak to all of those who are saved. God wants you to be full of the Spirit so that his presence and power overflows from your life to enable you to walk in victory over sin and temptation, but also to enable you to minister supernaturally, to bring healing and deliverance and salvation to others. He wants you to be continually filled with the Spirit so that he can flow through you. And all you need to do to be filled with the Spirit is to believe the promise of God. To believe the promise of God, it requires faith. And then Jesus tells us we need to ask. He says, if you ask the Father in heaven, he will give the Spirit to those who ask. And then thirdly, just begin to worship Jesus. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes when Jesus is glorified. So just begin to praise and love Jesus right out loud. And I say right out loud because when the Holy Spirit starts to move upon you, he's not going to force your mouth open to speak through you. But if your mouth is already open, it's going to be so easy for the Holy Spirit to speak through. It's kind of like a car. If a car is stopped, it's very difficult to turn the wheel. But if a car is moving, you can turn the wheel with one finger, right? So if our mouth is already in motion, praising and loving Jesus, it's going to be so easy for the Holy Spirit to flow through us. So come in faith this morning, believing that God wants to fill you with the Spirit. Ask him to fill you and then just begin to praise him right out loud. And so I'm going to invite you this morning for those that want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, I'm going to ask you to come and, and, and just gather right down here at the altar. And for all believers, God wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit, uh, up to the moment today experience of being filled with the Spirit. So if you want to be refilled with the Spirit, I want to invite you to come to the altar as well. Amen. So if you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, just make your way out to the, wall, uh, to the altar right now. We're going to pray together with you. Come on, don't be afraid. Slip out. This is something good. It's something wonderful that God wants you to, to have. So don't be afraid. of. Just slip out and come to this altar. Hallelujah. You want to be filled with the Spirit. You want to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if we could have some of our prayer ministers and our prayer warriors to come out, let's join with these that are coming right now, and let's believe the Lord to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Would you, prayer warriors, come. Come. Hallelujah. Prayer ministers, come. Hallelujah. You there at this altar, just begin to lift your hands towards heaven and just say, Lord, I believe your promise. And I'm asking you today to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then just begin to worship and praise Him right out loud. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you. And we hope you will join us again.